Welcome to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Now your hosts, doctor and pastor of Grace and Truth Church in Amherst, Michael Caesar, and co-host Johnny D. Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. Welcome to another edition of the What Is Truth radio show every Sunday morning here with you for one solid hour from 7 to 8 a.m. Thank you for joining us. We do appreciate you uh, listening and any of the emails you send us. They are a blessing to us. We are every morning right here on this show every Sunday And we invite you to join us and get your Bible because we're going to look into the scriptures of truth to find out what is truth. Now, we've had a couple of interesting programs with authors, but we're going to get back to the study we've been doing for a few months, which is in the book in the New Testament called the Acts of the Apostles. It's the fifth book. It's the first one after the four Gospels. And here we see Jesus Christ using the apostles to build his church. And it's about a 40-year history. It's accurate history. And we see Peter and Paul and John and Silas and Barnabas going out with the gospel and we saw what happened to uh, Paul a little while ago. He went back to Jerusalem. He wanted to show the people of Israel that the New Testament gospel isn't about the temple anymore. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was a big uproar in Jerusalem and they arrested him and they brought him down to the governor. And today we're getting to where he has to stand before the governor Felix and give an account. But before he gets to say anything, he has some accusers showing up. It's a pretty grievous. It's at Acts chapter 24. We'd like you to uh, join us, grab your Bible and pick up Acts chapter 24. And if you want to hear the old programs, we're sponsored by Grace and Truth Church. You got to go online, go to Google, type in Grace, A-N-D, Truth Church, one long word, Grace and Truth, and you got to put church.org. You'll get the webpage, the homepage, hit sermons and you'll get a number of options hit youtube and you'll see what is truth and you can listen to the old shows you'll even listen to this one again after today today i have my partner in truth with me mark sassy and uh, justin will be joining us in a little bit and uh, brother you're our lead man help us with this chapter well good morning everybody and uh like you said grab your bibles turn to acts chapter 24 and the story here where Paul is going through this trial, yeah. uh, we saw in the last chapter, like, you know, Pastor said that they, they actually, the Romans had to get involved and they had to pull him away from the Jews and they took him and escorted him with, uh, I think it was 470 soldiers and they yep. took him from Jerusalem to Caesarea, which was the Roman uh, headquarters. And there they're waiting for his accusers to show up sure. and they show up five days later. And then so here's where the story picks up in Acts chapter 24. It says, the Bible says, and after five days, Ananias, the high priest, descended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tertullius, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullius began to accuse him. I'm going to stop there just before he just before he starts off with his speech. So it, it's five days. Yes. They had to travel down. Jerusalem is up high elevation. Yes. And here they're descending down. They're coming into Caesarea. And 
they hired this guy with a Roman name, Tertullius. Sure. So it sounds like they got themselves a Roman lawyer. Yeah, went to the yellow pages, I'm sure, in the <laughs> in the Roman phone book, and they got this guy, and and he obviously is very good, four hundred dollars an hour, a certain <laughs> orator, and he's going to make accusations. Now, the thing that's uh, interesting to me is Ananias is the high priest. Yes, and the high priest has a duty to take care of the temple, and he's leaving his temple duties to come to what is mostly a civil trial. Rome had a legal system, the Roman law, if you go to just um, Wikipedia and type Roman law, and you will see the history of Roman law. It began in about 400 BC with the uh, 10 tables of the law that they had. They put together a, a very interesting system for the first time where the uh, in Gentile lands where the judges were required to go by law. They couldn't be partial. They had trials like we have today. America has basically a Roman law system. The idea of the lady who's blindfolded with the scales that came from Rome. Okay. That's what they do. And, and so here is the Roman governor at this civil trial and he's listening to what he would think is a petty dispute. Why Ananias would leave the duty of the of the temple to come and deal with this civil trial makes no sense. And I like the way the Bible puts it. God is careful with his words. It says Ananias, the high priest descended. Yes, that's right. He came down from the lofty call that God had for him Amen. to do some dirty work. And it, it's an embarrassment. And, and it's a great word that God chose right there. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and instead of the Jews making the accusations, they, they hire a $400 lawyer. Uh, yeah, uh, they, sure. they have a Roman because <laughs> you know, right. Paul's claiming, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And yes. now they're having a Roman accused Paul. Okay. And so here's Tertullius. We're going to see that he's going to use some flattery to the governor. And he starts out and he says in verse two, he says, uh, Tertullius began to accuse him saying, seeing that by thee, meaning by the governor, Felix, yeah. yep, by Felix, seeing that by thee, we enjoy great quietness and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Oh, they, they definitely hired him. I, I mean, uh, th <laughs> this is lying through their teeth. I have a, a history book uh, from first century Rome written by Flavius Josephus. He lived at that time period. He was an official historian paid by the Roman government. In uh, book 20 of the Antiquities, he talks about the history of Felix. Now, Felix was appointed by Nero, who wasn't exactly the best guy. And um, Felix couldn't stand Ananias and the Sadducees. Hmm. All that came down with the high priest were the Sadducees. No Pharisees came down. The Sadducees were always fighting with the Roman leaders. The Pharisees got along with the Roman leaders. The Pharisees thought our job is religion. The Roman leader's job is civil leadership. They didn't fight with them. The Sadducees wanted to have control. And Felix and Ananias and Ananias' people had fought with Felix. There's a story here about Felix was so upset with one of the Sadducees named uh, Jonathan, who was one of the members of the elders at the temple, that he contrived a method and he got a man named Doris to bring robbers into the city. They had daggers under their garments. They went into the temple to feign as if they were going to worship God and they killed Jonathan. 
Ananias knows all about this. He hates Felix. Felix hates him. He knows if I speak, Felix isn't going to listen to me. He pays this lawyer to flatter. And what else is new? Well, you know, the Bible, the Bible is very practical. Yes. And the Bible tells us, you know, in many places, all you have to do is use a concordance, look up the word flatteries, and it's never in a good tone, never in a good tone. God's not interested in your flatteries. He doesn't use flattering words. Um, Some, some people use great swelling words. It talks about in the new Testament God wants things plain and truthful. And simple. Plain and simple and truthful. Those are the yeah. very words he uses all the time. Yes. Amen. Yeah, he makes it clear. And so here, uh, the order, Tortullius, he's yeah. being he's being that most way. Most noble Felix. Yeah, most noble <laughs> Felix. And then he says, uh, notwithstanding, verse 4, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. For we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Verse 6, who also hath gone about to profane the temple, whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Lysaeus, came upon us, and with great violence he took him away out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come unto thee, by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things, whereof we accuse him. Oh, and the Jews also assented, saying that these things were Oh, yeah, so, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not, you haven't said anything. So you've made a bunch of accusations with no proof, no substantiation. <laughs> no witnesses. Amen. Where are the witnesses? Yeah. You know, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. And you're going to find that in Old Testament and in New Testament. You're going to find that back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6. You're going to find in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. But I do have to add, let's let's go to Deuteronomy 17 just for a second, because there's a little more in there. In Deuteronomy 17, talking about witnesses that are crucial for a trial, for proving something. It was uh, Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. The Bible says, At the mouth of two witnesses, or three witnesses, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, he shall not be put to death. Now think about this. Back in Acts 22, 22? Yes, they wanted him to die. They, oh, they want to kill Paul. It says in Acts yeah. twenty two twenty two, and they gave him audience unto this word and then lifted up their voices, the Jews did, and said, away with such a fellow from the earth for it is not fit that he should live. Yes. Well, where's the witnesses? Yeah. What did he do? What, now, there are accusations here of what he did. Okay, they're saying he was a pestilent fellow. He's a pest. Okay, that's not worthy of death. Uh, he's a mover of sedition. Sedition is like an uprising against something. Okay. Well, you just said the Sadducees were the ones who were kind of movers of sedition against the Romans. Absolutely. Right? The That's pot, history. Calling the cattle black or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Paul's not either. Yeah. Yeah. And and he, when he defends himself, Paul makes it clear that he did not do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And he asks, where are the witnesses? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then they, they claim he's a ringleader of the sect of Nazarenes. Oh, what is that? <laughs> well, it, it is interesting that they use the word sect, S-E-C-T. It's found five times in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Hmm. The first time we'll ever see it is, uh, I think it's back in the sixth chapter, fifth chapter. I'm trying to remember. I had it written down somewhere and he uses the word sect and it was the sect 
of the Sadducees is the first time it's ever used. I think it was chapter five, of, if I can remember. Yeah, I'll find it for you. Chapter um, five, it's talking about a man who was of the sect of the Sadducees. Well, you can look it up. Okay. A- anyways, it was a sect of the Sadducees. Then later on in the 15th chapter, when they came and they said you need to be circumcised, it was a sect of the Pharisees. Here it's a sect of the Nazarenes. Sect comes from the Latin word, uh, which is to cut or to separate. And it means a group of people that are separated from others because they have different beliefs. And one of the things the Bible's trying to show us right here is God's people, the Jews at the temple, are now broken up into different sects, S-E-C-T-S, different groups. Now, this is not what God wants. No. God wanted unity. Yes. I mean, when he first put uh, David and, and put them in the land, they were the united kingdom. Everybody was together with the same beliefs. Now we have different S-E-C-T-S sects going on, and this has become common knowledge, and Felix is, a, is aware of this. I mean, he's he's been in leadership for quite a while. He knows the Pharisees. He knows the Sadducees. He knows they bicker. He knows they argue. It would be like a, a leader today knowing, well, you know, the Catholics, they don't really get along with the Lutherans. And, and knowing these various divisions. And God doesn't want divisions with his people. He wants the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So right Amen. there, they're just showing, you know, we're all divided and we bicker anyways. And what she's thinking, what do you want me to do about it? That verse, <laughs> you, that verse you were thinking of, if anybody's looking, it's uh, Acts 5, verse 17. It says, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Yes. And today, somebody in modern modern slang, they might say, well, what camp are you in? Yeah, what camp? Yeah. Or what kind of a cult or a sect or a camp? Yeah. And it's yeah. a division where people have divided based on beliefs, principles, and tenets. But our beliefs and our principles and our tenets should all come from the Word of God. We should have unity. Amen. There's only one Bible. Well, there should only be one Bible. <laughs> Justin, is there only one Bible? I guess in English. Only one Bible in English that I read. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but yeah, the Bible says you must be born again, not you must be in a whole bunch of different denominations or sects. Yeah, amen. Amen. And so, so they make these accusations. And then in verse 6, here's almost the only one with any traction whatsoever, they say, of Paul, they say, who also hath gone about to profane the temple, whom we took, and he, we would have judged him according to our law. So they they assumed, and they thought that he profaned the temple. They thought that he brought some Greeks into the temple. Yes. But he didn't. That's and right. there's no witnesses, and it never happened. He himself went into the temple, purified, but there was no Greeks in there with him. No. It was a false accusation. What else is new? The same they did to Jesus. Yeah. And, and the same that have been done to many Christians down through the years, sadly. Amen. And so uh, we left off verse 9, right? The, the Jews that were they, there, they also assented, saying that these things were so. But sure. they're not witnesses. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what well, happened. Sure. I think that's I think <laughs> what I heard. Yeah. So... Verse 10, here we see a good godly example of Paul defending himself and, and get, doing it with the truth. And yes. short and to the point. I, I like it. So verse 10, the Bible says in Acts 24, 10, Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, he answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, 
I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Yeah. I mean, he, again, Paul was raised a Pharisee at the temple. Yes. And, and the Pharisees had fine relationships with Felix. They believed the Pharisees in separation of church and state. And Felix knew, I, I've never really had a problem with these Pharisees. And Paul's going, I can cheerfully answer you because you know, we don't cause trouble like that. You Amen. know us. <laughs> so. Amen. And he says in verse 11, he says, because that thou, meaning Felix, the governor, thou mayest understand that there are yet but 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. So this is very recent. This is a quick trial. How often does something come to trial within 12 days? <laughs> I mean, this is, Not this today. Is, and, and the 12 days is because when Paul went there earlier in chapter 21, uh, if it was 20 or 21, but when he went there, he, th he took a vow to be with these other Jews for a seven day fast. And he's got the vow for seven days. He gets carried away. And five days later, five plus seven is 12 days away. But this has all happened within a two week period. Yeah. So everything's fresh in everyone's mind is what he's trying to say. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's saying that Felix ought to understand that he went up to worship. Yeah, he went you, up at This at was Pes a feast day. You know this, Felix. Yeah, yeah. This was Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah. So verse 12, and Paul's saying, Paul's defending himself, and he says, And they neither found me in the temple, disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, that would be the sedition that they were yeah. accusing, neither in the synagogues, nor in the city. Meaning I haven't been everywhere causing trouble. No. I was just at the temple trying to worship. There you go. Verse 13, he says, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Yeah. And like we said, you need witnesses if you're going to prove something. You know, people get very confused today with everything on social media as to what's provable, what's true, what's a lie, you know, what's a deception. But the Bible's clear. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be established. Amen. Today in a court of law, you could have tampered audio, tampered video. You could have AI, which is artificial intelligence, tampering with such things. Yeah. They have deep fakes nowadays. So yes. you can't necessarily trust even video, even it looks like somebody. Yes. But what can we trust? The word of God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We Amen. trust the word of God and, and hopefully an honest eyewitness. Amen. Yes. <laughs> if there's any or of those left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So verse 14, he says, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way, and I underlined the way because he's talking about yep. the Christians, the early Christians. But after this, but this I confess unto thee, that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So let's pause there for a second. That's one of the great yeah. verses in the Bible. Yeah. And I had it underlined as, as a believer, now, I, with all of us here, we probably, Mark, Justin, we really never read the Bible before we were saved. No. no. We didn't look at the book. Bit, we were kind bits of, and pieces here and there. Yeah, what did yeah. we know? The, David and Goliath, David yeah. and Bathsheba, and a couple of stories. We Just didn't know the anything. interesting stories, Samson, yeah. you know, <laughs> that type of stuff. But we, we never really looked at a gospel or the New Testament. No. And then, then we, we got born again. Amen. And it happened to me in 93. Best thing happened to me. Amen. 2000 yeah. for me. Brother? 2015. There you go. Yeah. So, so here we get the new birth and we all remember when it happened. And then we start looking into the Bible and I'm reading and we use the Bible 
not only as the foundation of our faith, but to, to grow our faith and to grow in our knowledge. And I'm reading through that one day and I read that verse and he says, the way that they, that other people might call heresy or might call a fable or might call, I, I don't know what you want to call it. This is the way I worship God. I believe all things which are written in the law, in the prophets. In other words, I've now placed my faith on God's word. That's where my faith comes from. That's where my faith grows. This is where I get the the confidence and the assurance of my faith is everything written in the law and the prophets. As a believer, I shouldn't approach this like uh, a buffet. I think I'll take a little from here. I'll take a little from there. I should believe all things. And Paul's showing an example to us. He says, I believe everything written in the book. Amen. Not just yeah. some things. I believe everything. Yeah. Uh, just the, just oh, yesterday on Christian radio, I heard a Christian scholar on, on Christian radio <laughs> talking about how, well, some things in the Bible are literal and other things in the Bible are just figurative. Actually, the whole Bible is truth. Thy yes. word is truth. Yes. That's Amen. What, that's what it says, John Amen. 17, 17. Every word pure. And Paul is confirming here for us that we are to believe all things which are written in the law and the prophets. Yes. Amen. Go ahead, Justin. The way I read it as well is he's also telling them like, hey, this this isn't a new sect. This isn't a new religion, a, a heresy. This is the fulfillment of of the Old Testament. Amen. And so this isn't some new offshoot. This is the messianic prophecies that we had been told about. Amen. You know, so this isn't some made up thing that I just decided to, you know, offshoot and do. And I think he's trying to also kind of like take a shot at them. Like, hey, you know, if you know the scriptures, you should know. Why don't you believe everything in the law of the prophets? What's your problem? Amen. 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 And a modern uh, saying that I've heard that, that's similar to this about believing all things that are written in the law and the prophets. I know that there's some pastors that say that the King James Bible is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Sure. And Peter wrote something similar to that in second Peter Yep. at the beginning of the epistle of second Peter verse three, he says, Peter says, according as his divine power hath given unto us, given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So that's all things. And he means God gave them to us. Yes. That was the he. Yeah. Yes. And so, especially in these days with social media, like I said, there's so much confusion out there. You need a foundation and the Bible is that foundation, that solid rock. And, And God would like all of us to be able to say like Paul, this is how I worship God, believing whatever he wrote in his Bible. I'm not going to pick and choose. If God put it there, it's important for me. Yeah. And if you, I mean, how can you be a Christian if you don't believe the book? I mean, on what foundation do you stand? Yeah. It like just by your own whims, <laughs> by your own desires. I mean, well, there's people that say that they trust Jesus, but they're not sure if they trust the book. What did Jesus say? It is written. Yeah. It is written. And the scriptures cannot be broken. He said yeah. every yeah. jot and tittle will be fulfilled. Yes. Yeah. And in verse 15, again, a very good verse, Paul says, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. I got to pause. He says, and they have a hope towards God. Today, we call that the blessed hope. Yes. And we've got songs about that. And, And the Bible confirms that blessed hope if you're trusting in Christ. Um, for me, 20 some years ago, I, heard it really for the first time in first John chapter five, there's yep. Uh, yep. more than just one verse, but in just a couple of verses here, starting in first John five eleven, 
the Bible says, and, and what my point on this is about having a hope toward God, uh, hoping about that resurrection, knowing where you're going to go after you die sometime, someday. Not, not just maybe a 50% chance, but 100%, knowing sure. for certain. Absolutely. Right? And in 1 John 5.11, the Bible says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us, given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know, that ye may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Amen. That's certainty. You got something there, Justin, that you were looking at? Uh, see. No, I just, that's one of my favorite verses. Amen. And actually, uh, Brother Tom, who led me to the Lord, that's actually the verse I used Amen. at his funeral. Amen. Yeah. Because his kids were lost, and I wanted Amen. to give them assurance that he was with the Lord. So, Amen. I mean, for a listener, I don't know if you have your Bible open at home, but as we're looking at it, uh, we were just reading Paul uh, making a confession in verse 14. This is I'm confessing. He says, and verse 14 doesn't end with a period. It goes to verse 15. It's one long sentence. But what he's saying is, my confession is I worship God. Based on what? Believing what he wrote down. And because of what he wrote down, I have hope. Amen. Because God is good. And if God writes something down, it's good is done. Anything God puts in writing, you can count on. And that's what he's saying. And, and that's what we need. And one of the things God did promise was there would be a resurrection. The hope is the resurrection. Now, he's going to show that the resurrection he's talking about, that's the resurrection of the Messiah. Yes. That's giving him the assurance of eternal life. But God did promise it was going to happen, and it's now come to pass. It is a little curious that people have trouble trusting God's promise. Yeah. Because we were talking earlier before we went on air about how older generations, past generations, they acted differently. They were more helpful and caring yeah. about other people. But you know what? They trusted each other with a handshake. And if, if a generation ago people could trust each other with a handshake and without a written contract, should we not be able to trust God and what he has written in, in his word? That, that's interesting. So we want a contract, but... You can trust a handshake, which some would say that's less than a, uh, a contract. And what if somebody just speaks without shaking your hand? And here's God speaking, but this is God. This is almighty God. He's and reached he, out a spiritual hand, so to speak. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and putting it down in writing for all time. Amen. 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 Uh, do we have, we have little, we got a little time. time. Okay. And the next verse, verse 16, Paul's continuing his defense of himself. And he says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Amen. There's a bunch in that little verse right yes. there. He mentions the word conscience. Yes. Some people don't even hardly believe that there is a conscience, but God gave us all a conscience inside of us. Yes. And that's proof that there is a God. Amen. Amen. One of the, the number of C's, there's creation is one of the places we can see God. There's the conscience, one yes. of the places we can see God. Common sense would help us to see God, <laughs> but ultimately the Christ helps us to see God. But amen. Well, yeah. I've heard it said this way that in Romans chapter one, which is the next book after this, yeah. it mentions that God has given that proof to all men. Uh, he says in Romans one, verse 19, because yes. that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That's your conscience. Yep. For God has showed it unto them. And the next verse for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So yeah. Conscience inside, yeah. 
creation outside. Yeah. Amen. 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 And when you see the order of creation, it's incredible. Amen. Like I heard those ask, um, astronomers talking, you know, how do you explain that the moon and the sun and the earth are in this perfect proportion? The sun is 400 times further away than the moon and it's, and the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun. So it makes a perfect eclipse. I mean, how do you figure this out? What is the chance that happened by accident? Yep. Just and if the sun like was that. a little bit further away, we'd freeze to death. And oh. if it was a little bit closer, we would burn up. We'd have real global yep. warming. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you listen to the What Is Truth program. We're going to have a station identification in a moment. We'd like you to stick around for the second half of the show. If you can, grab your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 24. We're in verses 14 through 16. We'll be right back in a moment. What is truth? What is truth? Want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Do like Jesus said, search the scriptures and you'll know what is truth. Amen. And welcome to the second half of the show. Thanks for sticking around. We've been Acts chapter 24 and we're watching a Paul defend himself honestly, he has no lawyer. He's just telling the civil authorities, the only thing I want to do is worship the God of my fathers according to what is written in the law. And and then the benefit of that, you were reading verse 16, what happens to someone who worships that way? Yeah, Paul defending himself in Acts 24, 16, he says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So that's covering all angles. Yes. He he fears God. You know, the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. And if, you know, these days, it's like people forgot all about that. You know, they're just like, if it's legal, then doesn't matter if it's good, bad, or whatever. As long, you know, sometimes even if it's illegal, yeah. they just don't have a fear of God. But a conscience that's working correctly yeah. will give you a fear of God. And then it's not only just towards God, but it's, remember the first commandment, they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love to the love Lord the Lord your God, God yeah. right? and to love your neighbor. As, you, as God, as you love God, yes. yes. Yeah. So the conscience is a real thing. I, I noticed that he, it's mentioned, if you look back in Acts 23, verse 1. Yep. He says, hey, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God unto this day. It's and actually, then, it's a gift from God. Amen. Later on, Paul would explain in the book of Romans that the Gentiles, and he was talking to Jewish people, he said, well, you've got the Bible in your hand. And in the Bible, the Jewish Bible, it has the law of Moses. But the the Gentiles who don't have the law, they don't have the word of Moses, they have the work of the law written in their hearts. This is Romans 2.15. Their conscience bears them witness when they're doing something, their thoughts accuse them. You shouldn't be doing that. Or will excuse them and say, that's okay to do. God put this little, like alarm clock inside of us, but we throw it down or we put it on snooze so often it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think they used to think about it more. If you remember when yes. you were a little kid and you watched cartoons, do you remember oh, like, yeah. uh, do you remember Sylvester and Tweety? <laughs> yes. Do you remember when Sylvester was up to no good and he'd have like a little devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other yes. shoulder and he was about to go after that little bird, right? That poor innocent little Tweety. Yes. And the devil on his shoulder would tell him, oh, you do this. And and then the angel would be like, oh, no, don't that's, do that. That's the wrong thing. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> and deep down inside, people know they have remorse when sure. they've done wrong. 
and it's a real thing. And the Bible talks about it. It's a real thing, like you said, in, in uh, Romans 2.15. Now, one of the sad things Paul will show later on in the epistles written to the church is that over time, if we ignore the conscience, okay, I know I shouldn't do it, but I did. It bothered me the first time. The second time it doesn't bother. It's like you get a callus on it. And little by little it gets calloused and you don't feel it and sense it anymore. And then your conscience is offending God and it's offending other people. For example, your spouse, if you're ignoring one part of the law and you're doing that, you're offending that person. And he's saying here in verse 16, I'm able to exercise myself, exercise my conscience. How do I do it? Back in verse 14, I believe what's written in the law. It's like God's word resets the conscience and puts it back to work like it should. Takes the callous off. Yeah. On that note about the word of God resetting the conscience. Yes. You've said in the past that the word of God is like water and uh-huh. that water softens that, things. That's good. Just like a hard soil, you get a rain and it'll soften that's the soil. Good. And back in, uh, just as a reminder, in Jeremiah chapter 18, it's talking about the potter. Jeremiah the prophet went into the potter's house and he was looking at this potter. He's making clay and consider clay for a second. If you can picture in your mind a potter with a potter's wheel and it's spinning and he's making clay and it's wet and it's kind of slimy and he can shape it and he can work with it. it. But what happens when that dries out? It just breaks up and you can't do anything with it. Can't do anything with it, (laughs) right. And so the conscience needs to be watered with the water of the word. Amen. And the water of the word, Deuteronomy 32, says God's word is like water. Ephesians chapter 5, Isaiah 55. That's right. It's the water of the word. So um, I guess that covers conscience, but it, you know, you know, you think about it practically and here's Paul. He said, this, I confess verse 14, I'm making a confession and, and he I said, I'm not confessing my sins. I'm confessing. I'm trying to be a worshiper of God and I'm trying to worship God by, you know, reading what's written in the law and the prophets. And by doing all this, my hope toward God is increased and my conscience is better. I'm not offending God. I'm not offending men. Imagine if, in, in this nation, you know, all the men decided next week, we're going to start reading God's Bible and believing what's God that would trans transform society. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Our yeah. culture is eroded because yeah. of a lack of the word of God. Yeah. People aren't reading their Bibles. People aren't going to church. So, I mean, yeah, it would be a, it'd be a, a, a revival. A, a, a we have revival. Miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, an old pastor said it this way. It's either back to the Bible or back to the jungle. Amen. Drive yeah. through yeah. a modern American city and tell me what it looks like. Yeah. And it yeah. also looks like here, Paul's like, well, if you're going to put me on trial for something I didn't do, I'm going to grandstand a little bit and be able to tell you. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to give a witness to my faith. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. So Paul continues on. Here we are, Acts 24, verse 17, and Paul's defending himself. He says, now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Like he said earlier, he was coming at Pentecost to yep. Jerusalem. He says, whereupon certain Jews from Asia, they found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had ought against me. Where he are said, all these guys that were here five, seven days ago? Where'd they go? Where's the witnesses? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where's, where's the accusers? Where are mine accusers? Well, we didn't exactly want to give false testimony in a civil hearing and might be responsible <laughs> for it. So we've got a $400 lawyer who says anything out of both sides of his mouth anyway, so who cares? And, and nobody's willing to perjure, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. Verse 20 says, or else let these same here, meaning the people that are here in the room, let them say if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council, except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them saying, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And that's really what the contention was about. He had been preaching about the resurrection yes. of the dead, and they didn't like it. Now, a few chapters back, I think chapter 23, actually, I think he was called for the first time to discuss this, and it was done in the city of Jerusalem. And when he was in Jerusalem, verse 6, Paul saw there were both Sadducees and Pharisees there, and he talked about the resurrection of the dead and the two sects, S-E-C-T-S, started fighting and having dissension because one believes in a resurrection, one doesn't. Verse 8, the Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. So Paul mentions this again to Felix, but you're not going to get uh, the same battle this time because when Ananias came down, the high priest, he was a Sadducee, and he only brought Sadducean elders with him. And there's not going to be a battle this time between the Jewish people. Yeah. But Paul still is going to testify to the truth. Amen. Yes. And that's and, the best thing he can do. And the resurrection is a key. It's a key point. I mean, the 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 preaching of the cross is the key point in Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. That Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day, yep. according to the scriptures. That's the gospel yeah. message. And that's what Paul's been giving. Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain. That's right. A whole chapter he wrote to the Corinthian church, a great chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul said, uh, you know, we are being true witnesses of God. If, if the dead not rise and Christ was not raised and, and Christ never came up from, you know, the ground, then our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. But, but the good news is Christ is risen from the dead Amen. and Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. And that's the confession that we make believing, I mean, in the history of mankind, who's risen from the dead to stay alive forevermore. Only Jesus. Only uh, Jesus Christ. I don't Christ. know if you've ever read The Case for Christ. But he was uh, an atheist yeah. and his Lee wife Strobel. became a Christian, Lee Strobel. And he was very upset that his wife became a Christian. So he said, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm an investigative journalist. I know how to do this. I'm going to go look into it and I'm going to disprove this thing quickly. Yes. So he went immediately after the resurrection because that is the bedrock of Christianity. Yep. And once he started researching, he was like, whoa. And he found out that it was actually true and yep. he actually became a Christian and Absolutely. a pastor and, and verifiable. Yep. And yeah. that was his big thing as he was all about evidence, evidence, evidence. He was a journalist. So, right. yep. Yeah. That's a great movie and book. Very good. Yeah. yeah. The case for Christ, Lee Strobel. The, the, um, I think it's called infallible proofs right amen. here in the book of Acts. Yes. Amen. amen. Cannot deny it. If you come with an open mind and an open heart. Yes, if you I, if you I, want to know. Yeah, I think that if anybody is reasonable, when they reason with God, they're going to believe what's written in the law and the prophets, and the prophets testify of the resurrection, both in the Old Testament, they tell it's going to come, and the New Testament tells us who did it and when it came. Amen. Amen. Good news. Amen. And it brings that blessed hope. Amen. And verse 22, we're back, Acts 24, verse 22, and when Felix heard these things, He's the governor. He heard these things. Having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them. And he said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the utmost of your matter. Smart. So he's just pushing everything aside. Well, well, yeah, he's pushing it aside, but also 
Okay. Um, let's say you're a teacher or, or you're a parent and um, there was an incident that occurred in the classroom or out in the playground and two parties were involved. When they come before you, it's typical that each party presents his own side and makes himself look good. Every yeah. man will proclaim his own goodness and they'll give their side of the matter. And it's hard for you to know, gee, who's telling the truth and, and who isn't. I need a third bystander there. And you came and you said that this man was some pestilent fellow. He was a mover of sedition. He came, he profaned our temple. He's saying he didn't do that. But you mentioned that one of my guys, the chief captain Lysias, came into the middle of this thing. I want his testimony on. I want the third party to find out what's going on here. I can't make a decision. I mean, now we know Paul is telling the truth. Right. But how is he supposed to know who's telling the truth? So right. I'm going to wait for Lysias so, to come. So Felix wants more evidence, more evidence, more testimony. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's going to be the mouth of two witnesses. Now yeah. Lysias is either going to agree with Paul or he's going to agree with Ananias. Amen. And Amen. so now we're going to have two witnesses and he's a high official. Yes. Yeah. In verse 23 and, and he, that would be Felix. He commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or to come unto him. So Paul must have made a good impression on Felix. I mean, now, now I haven't been a judge. Uh, I don't know what it's like to be. Uh, but, you know, we do make observations when people appear before us. And when somebody appears who is calm and reasonable, and like it said, Paul waited until the governor beckoned him. And then Paul just spoke plain and clearly, you know, I, I tell you, I came to worship. I brought alms. And you look at a person like that. Here's someone that came to a temple to worship. He brought offerings to the temple. This is a reasonable guy. He doesn't seem anything like the kind of guys I see in the knife and gun club. <laughs> I better right. lock that guy up. This is a reasonable citizen. There's no reason for me to throw him in prison. There's nothing he's done. I'll tell you what, we'll keep him until Lycia shows up. And until Lycia shows up, if he wants to worship with somebody, let, let his uh, fellow ministers come and minister to him. Sure. Yeah, he wasn't a threat to flee. No. Yeah. And in verse 24, it says, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, so she's Jewish, he sent for Paul, and he heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, that's kind of interesting, because now Felix, he's got his wife there who's a Jew, and he's going to listen to him about his faith in Christ. Yeah, I mean, Felix was a Roman, yeah. appointed by Nero, and he married a Jew. That's an interesting mixed marriage. But that Jewish girl probably grew up hearing some of the things in the law and the prophets. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so she's heard some of this. Uh, a Gentile Roman probably hasn't heard much Bible in his life. Why would he? Yeah. I right. mean, the, the, the scriptures were written in Hebrew. He's speaking Latin. He doesn't know. So he goes with his wife, and now he wants to hear more of what Paul says privately. What is this about the resurrection? Is there something? Amen. And in verse 25, it says, And he, that Paul, be Paul, he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. <laughs> now we got to pause there because yeah, there's a lot happening there. How Newman. many people 
hear about God's righteousness, that he's holy, he's righteous, and we're not, right? His temperance, that things are balanced with him. Yep. And his judgment, that yep. there is judgment to come. He's going to judge the quick and the dead, the, the, the living and the dead. And when Felix heard this, he's a governor, he trembled. Yeah. I think a lot of people tremble when they consider that Almighty God is coming back again and he is going to judge. And what is a reaction, a personal reaction between either, you know, this guy, Felix, or any one of us, right? His reaction, Felix says, well, you know, go thy way for this time. And when it's convenient for me, I'll, I'll call for thee. The Bible talks about a reaction like that. It talks about that it's, it's a rejection. You either receive... God's word, you either receive the gospel, you either receive Jesus Christ and believe on him or you reject him. Yeah. And we were just talking about conscience and it sounded like that, you know, it pricked his conscience and that's why he started, he trembled and he felt that way. Well, when I look at the passage there, we're in Acts 24 and we see those words, uh, righteous temperance and judgment. And then we think of when Jesus was speaking to his men in John chapter 16, Mm. And he said, uh, it's expedient that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter, the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he is going to work in this world. He's going to reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And so what's happening is Paul, again, Felix comes with his wife. I want to hear more about this faith in Christ. And Paul is using the words of Jesus. He's using the words of the apostles and the prophets. And the spirit of truth is speaking to the heart and the soul of Felix. God's desire is to reach every soul with the truth. Amen. Jesus promised that he would light every man that comes into the world, giving them the light of truth for a moment for that soul to make the decision. Do I want the light of truth? Jesus is light. My word is truth and it is light. This is the condemnation. I'm going to send light in the world, but men are going to reject the light. They're going to prefer the darkness. And, And here's Felix the, the, the spirit of God is right there. One day we're going to see Felix again Yes, at the resurrection, at the white throne. Yes. And we'll see Felix stand before God and God will show him this. On that particular day, I had one of my preachers preaching the word to you. It was speaking to your conscience. It was speaking to your soul. You were trembling and you're shaking. And all you needed to do was throw yourself on the mercy that I would give you. But instead, you said, well, go away. I'll do it some other time. He's going to be without excuse. Yeah. Well, I've had people ask me over the years, what is it, that thing in the Bible when it talks about the unpardonable sin? A lot of people have said, that's got to be murder. I actually had a a soldier from Vietnam say, that unpardonable sin has got to be murder. And he was wearing a camouflage army jacket as he's talking to me. And I said, no, sir. I said, it's found back in Matthew chapter 12. Yes. And the Bible says that uh, it's a blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And then in verse 32, it says, Whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. And without getting too deep down into the weeds here, this is Matthew chapter 12. Yes. It's, it's either rejecting or receiving Christ. Why do I say that? Well, it's real clear. We saw it earlier in 1 John chapter 5. He that hath the Son of God, he that hath the Son hath life, 
And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So you're either receiving or rejecting. Now, now, and, that, and I, that's a tricky portion there about uh, anyone that speaks against the Son of Man. Yes, because Jesus was the Son of Man, but more importantly, he would write that the gospel that was promised concerning the Son of God, he's declared to be the Son of God according to the resurrection. It was his attributes of deity as the Son of God that he conquered Satan and conquered sin and conquered death. Yes. And the Holy Ghost is not trying to tell you that Jesus was just a man that lived in Nazareth or Jesus was just a teacher that lived a long time ago. He's the Son of God. He's declared to be the Son of God with power according to the resurrection of the dead. And that's what Paul was preaching to this guy, that there's only one that was resurrected is Jesus. And you've got to believe this is God's Son. And that's that. That's the problem all over the world. M very few people will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They'll believe he's a good man. He was a good, good teacher. Jew. He was a good, good rabbi, preacher, a good teacher, a good, a good this, a good that, but not the Son of God. And, and yet it's very clear all through Luke's gospel, it shows him as the Son of Man. Yes. But all through John's gospel, it shows him as the Son of God because he was fully Son of Man and fully Son of God. He was both. Yeah. Yes. God manifests in the flesh. Yep. But, but if he wasn't the Son of God, there's no way he could have conquered death. Well, right. And a could, man can't and he conquer couldn't death. have been a good rabbi or a good man because he was claiming to be God. Yes. He would have been a blasphemer yeah. and a sinner. And so the argument that he was just a good man doesn't actually make sense. Well, here would be the two prongs of it because you were mentioning it earlier brother mark you were saying we we preach the uh, death the burial and the resurrection of christ yes has the son of man he died has the son of god he came forth again amen, amen. there it is and so the and the, the holy ghost is trying to show you you say well yeah he died as a martyr any man can die as a martyr any son of man can die the Holy Ghost trying to say, no, it's his resurrection as the son of God. That's what you need. You need to believe both. Amen. He's both. And that's what he's trying to convince you of. Amen. And blasphemy against the Holy Ghost is not believing in that resurrection. Amen. And then your faith is in vain if you don't believe in the resurrection. And yeah. then the next, I guess I should say the next fear that I have that many people fall into, and I did myself years ago, is yes. the fact that, okay, you can believe in Jesus and you believe that he died and he was buried and he rose again, but then somehow you believe and you trust in yourself and you, you trust that you have to be good and you also, you're, you're believing Jesus too. And, and the Bible talks about that in Luke chapter 18 yep. about someone who trusted in themselves. And I yes. just want to read just a few verses of this because there's many people who believe in Jesus and yet believe in themselves. Yes. And think that they must be good in order to make it to heaven someday. Yeah, I want to bring that back because earlier we were noticing they talked about the sect, the S-E-C-T, in the first half of the show. And we saw there was the sect of the Pharisees, and they believed one thing. And the sect of the Sadducees, they believed something else. There was the sect of the Herodians. They believed this. Today in Christianity, there's the sect of Episcopalianism. There's the sect of Roman Catholicism. There's the sect of Mormonism. You can go in the yellow pages under C, you'll find a whole bunch of things call themselves Christian. Yes. There, there's uh, this uh, division going on. Now, what God wants is not for us. God wants us to believe what he said about his son. And the problem is when I was the sect of Roman Catholicism, what I was taught was, yes, Jesus died. Yes, Jesus was buried. Yes, Jesus rose again. And that only took care of some of my sins. Now, 
if I do this work, I can take care of the rest of my sins. That is a sect. What God wants you to do is to come entirely to the Lord and to believe that Jesus did all the work for all your sins, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin, that this is written, he that hath the Son by faith and not by works yes. hath life. There's no works involved. The minute you, know, you get works, you've got a sect. And, and we've all these and you sects have, you have today. A, a different gospel. Yeah. And, you know, there's uh, many places in the Bible where it speaks that it's not by works. Correct. Ephesians, especially Galatians. But Jesus himself, out of his own mouth, yep. told this short story in Luke chapter great 18. great story, yeah. Go ahead. Verse 9, Jesus himself is saying, He spake a parable, that's Jesus, spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. That would be like someone today trusting in maybe Jesus and themselves. Okay. Right? That they were righteous, and they despised others. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a publican. That would be like a tax collector. Okay. And the Pharisee stood and he prayed thus with himself. He says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, like extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I fast twice in the week and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, He would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So Felix had a chance right here. When Paul was preaching to him about the faith of Christ and about the righteousness and the temperance and God's judgment, and when he was trembling, all he needed to do was say, be merciful to me, a sinner. But he may be a little too proud. Couldn't do it in the position he was in. That's the wall that keeps people from coming to God is that pride. Yeah. And maybe the second thing is he said, well, go away and maybe in a more convenient time, maybe in a few weeks I'll do it or next month. I'm I'm seeming to get it now, but now's not a convenient time for me. Let me do it later. But the Bible says, behold, now. Now is the time. The day of salvation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Listener, if God is getting to you right now and you're thinking, well, Jesus Christ is the one that rose from the dead, according as written in the law and the prophets, and I can worship God this way. And I can have hope toward God. And all I need to do is just call upon the Lord. Exactly. Then do it. Don't put it off. Because you never know. Tomorrow's not promised. Right. You know, and so, I mean, not saying, but people, you know, die all the time walking across the street. And so that's why the Bible says now is the acceptable time. Amen. Amen. Don't wait. Don't put it off because you don't know if you'll have tomorrow. And you're talking about how a lot of uh, denominations or sects add, you know, works plus Christ. That's nothing new. I mean, even back in the day, I think it was Galatians. They, yep, they said right. Christ plus circumcision. Yeah. And they're always, always been trying to add something yeah. to Christ's sacrifice. Plus keeping the law. Who does that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, I forgot what I was going to say now. That just kind of, I, I guess I should jump right in and we'll finish up the chapter. But yes. uh, it, that was me. That was me. I used to trust in, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a, I'm not, you know, this and that. I haven't spent 25 years in prison, that kind of thing. But the Bible is all about the fact that Jesus is pure and holy and it was sinless blood. And that's the only way that someone can get to God. Like you said to Thomas, 
He said, I am the way, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> and no man comes but by me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so here, uh, verse 26 of Acts 24 uh, he says, he, meaning Felix. Felix, the governor, he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. He's to get a bribe. Yeah, he's a typical he's government hoping, official. Hoping yeah. and waiting, right? <laughs> yeah. He says, wherefore, he sent him the oftener and communed with him. Yeah, so on. he would call him, you know, every yeah. once in a while. In verse 27, but after two years... Porticus or Por- Porcius, I guess yeah. it would be pronounced Porcius Festus. He came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, he left Paul bound for two years. Yeah, yeah. two years he was he was hanging out there. <laughs> and, 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 that's wild. And he came the more oftener, uh, hoping to get some money. I, I don't want the gospel anymore, but like some money. You know, that's the sad thing of lost people. They would prefer money to the gospel yeah. and money's a temporal rich riches and, and the gospel is eternal riches. Right. And they're offered freely in Jesus Christ. We're running out of time today. Thank you for joining us for X 24. Next, we're going to look at uh, chapter 25 and see another governor's going to come and listen to Paul. And Paul again is going to give his testimony, the great testimony that he has. He says, I worship God according to that, which is written in the law. And that's what I believe. And listener, that's what God wants for you. It's the best thing you can do. And until we meet again with you next week, search the scriptures and you'll know what God says and what is truth. Amen. You've been listening to What is Truth? The radio show devoted to asking the question, what is truth? Listen every weekend at this time for What is Truth? Only on WECK. 